Hello, everybody. We're back again after a couple weeks off. Uh, I'm your host, Nolan Schumann. Joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. And I fucked it up again. This is the 23rd episode of One for One. Uh, the Michael Jordan episode, Michael, if you will. Michael Jordan. Nolan, I think we're a little rusty. That's The intro's getting fucked up. Haven't been doing the pod, but just been sucking beers in the sun happy summer i don't know about you but it has absolutely been beautiful in saskatchewan lately nice and hot with a little bit of rain it's been good i can't complain yeah it's been like for the last little while it's been really hot and then kind of getting to the point where it's starting to get humid and then i think this week in ontario it's supposed to like downpour all week Let which the rain is fall down which is good because somebody gets to leave it on Tuesday. Oh! Oh! Yes, this is the first, uh, or this is the last episode before I go on my uh, nearly two-week adventure to Regina, Saskatchewan to uh, go see one Miles Fuchs and also my family and we're, other friends. We're calling it uh, Nolan's cross-country road trip 2021. Hot vac summer. Oh yeah, this is this is and by the way, in case anyone was wondering, this is a double vax podcast. Double vax podcast, in case you're wondering where we stand. You probably weren't, but here we are. We're bragging. Stick to so, sports, the fuck bo- faces. The boys are bragging, the boys are, are lean, mean, and clean. Like quite literally. Quite literally. We are we are we are we are both very clean of the coronavirus. Not knock on wood. Whoopsie daisy. Uh but anyways, this is off to a terrible start. Yeah. Um Miles, how's your Sunday been? My Sunday's been good. I've been looking forward to getting into this Stanley Cup preview episode. Holy Dinah has it been a couple weeks of some wild events in the hockey world and we are stoked to bring it to you and uh nolan do you want me to just let the folks at home know what we're going to be going over here today let's get fuck <laughs> are you drunk no i to, to be completely honest i'm actually in a bit of like a food coma right now uh it was taylor's it, it's taylor's stepdad's 50th 58th birthday today so we had we had chicken and ribs on the barbecue and then followed that up with some dairy queen ice cream cake and um yeah i'm I'm feeling the repercussions right now. <laughs> Man, uh, there, question, question for the group. There is, is there a right way and a wrong way to eat Dairy Queen ice cream cake? Yes or no? Uh, I don't think so, I would to argue, be completely honest. I would argue that there is a right way and a wrong way. And to me, the right way is saving the cookie part for the last bit. You kind of eat around it. And get to the cookies is the last little bit. For me, that's the correct way. Okay, Arby's. No, no, you got you have to you have to get the full the full stabbing. You have to get the vanilla Captain the cookie. Stabbing. <laughs> this is actually a Johnny Sins production, but we need like you need to get everything all in 
So then you can get that full taste in your mouth and your mouth can just start making a party in there with all the different flavors going through. Well, you like Arby's, so I don't really agree with you. But yeah, and any- you like the filet fish so eat my ass. Man, fucking whatever. I'll wear it. Um, <laughs> anywho, what we're going to be doing today is going over the two crazy we- um, conference finals. Would you call it conference finals? Semi-finals. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Kind of, yeah. sort of. Third round. Third round. Uh, from that point on, we will do a Stanley Cup preview, and then we're going to do a little bit of Oilers, and then I think Nolan has some some hot hot goss to talk about, NHL-related, and then we're going to get the heck out of here. So hopefully it's a, a crisp, clean episode for you, and that we got all of the blunders out of the way in the first Checks Watch six and a bit minutes. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we need to, because I'm, 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 I'm already rusty. I'm stumbling over my words. I'm falling into my words like I'm Jim Leahy falling into his trailer. I'm on the air, Ran. <laughs> I'm on the air, Ran. Speaking, speaking of mowing the air. <laughs> Mark the Bergeron. Vegas Golden Knights the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights sure mow the air against, against the Montreal Canadiens because Montreal fucking did it. They defied the odds and took the series. Um, after coming over a 3-1 deficit in the first round against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, pulling it off and then cruising to the second round to go up against the Winnipeg Jets and absolutely demolishing them. And then coming into this third round with very low expectations because I think I can speak for everyone when saying this that no, Montreal fans, you were not favored against the Vegas Golden Knights. And then I'll, I'll get to this point a little bit later. But no, you just, it was just, it, we'll talk. Anyways, um, I think really like the big story of this series, well, I, I actually, it's not really a story, but like the guy, Carey Price, man, 4 2 0. 2.1 GAA, 9.33 save percentage, and is actually the current odds-on favorite to win the Conn Smythe. Whether or not they win or lose, he is currently the odds-on favorite to win the Conn Smythe, which I think deservedly so because he was electric and he's been fantastic this entire playoff run. My goodness, Carey Price, what a hell of a player. Yeah, he's channeling some big Jean-Sébastien Jaguar energy. Uh, back when the Ducks lost to the New Jersey Devils in what year was that? 2001, something like that. Oh three. Oh um, three. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I was close. The, the Lightning, or um, I think New Jersey won both of those years. But J.S. Shiger won the Conn Smythe despite losing the Stanley Cup, and Carey Price is, like you said, the odds-on favorite to do that again. And I mean, it's tough to argue otherwise. The guy's been an absolute freak. Um, but the folks at home aren't ready to talk about how good Andre Vasilevsky's been compared to him. So this Stanley Cup final is going to be an absolute duel of goaltenders, and I'm very excited to see that. But yeah, you got to give respect where it's due, and Carey Price, I will eat my hat. I talked a lot of crap about Montreal, and they have, I'm not the only one, and they have absolutely proved everybody wrong. Um, good for them. Very good for them. I think there was like... Uh, 18 people polled or something like that for the each round and zero or zero yeah it was 15 zero out of 15 against the Leafs thought that Montreal was going to win I think one or two out of 15 against the Jets thought Montreal was going to win and then two people picked uh, the Canadians to beat uh, Vegas and holy shit 11 underdog story and you're certainly getting it 
Yeah, and to be completely honest, with the with the Jets series, I th- I want to say I picked I want to say I picked the Habs um, Go to your because room. well n- well no because it was like I knew that the Jets were not as good of a team as they looked against the Oilers. Like it was just well, fuck it. We're not we're not talking. No, nope, we're, we're not we're not going to talk about it. Anyways, Cole Caulfield. Uh, holy shit! Uh, <coughs> the short king. Uh. The short king showed up. <coughs> Four goals, one assist in six games. Um, he is completely re- like reshaped this Habs top six with just speed and skill. And the best part is, is that he's eligible for the Calder next year, which is insanity. The fact that he is doing, he's basically pulling like a Matt Murray uh, of 2016 when Matt Murray led the well. Kind of, sort of led this, uh, led the Pittsburgh Penguins to their second Stanley Cup with the core that they had. And Cole Caulfield's doing it, man. Uh, just a, an electric player. And my goodness, let's go over the year Cole Caulfield has had, shall we? Starts off by putting up 52 points in 31 games with 30 fucking goals with Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Winning the Hobie Baker. So, not a big deal. Whatever. Put you in a mansion. Uh, and then follows that up. Follows that up by winning the gold at the World Juniors and is now playing in the Cup Final in not even his rookie season. Uh, uh, that's some uh, some very some very big. You mentioned who, who did you mention there, uh, Matt Murray? That's some big yeah. Ken Dryden energy. Ken Dryden did something very similar with the Montreal Canadiens back in the '70s, where he joined them for a playoff run, won the Conn Smythe won the Stanley yeah. Cup, and then won the Calder the following year. So Cole Caulfield is in some very elite company in that regard and and well-deserved. He's been an absolute freak. He's um, like the joke I think got made on Jimmy Fallon that he looks like every uh, like Disney show bad guy ever. And I think that that's like pretty accurate because he has that big, stupid, toothy, like youthful grin. But man he's an absolutely unbelievable skater he's got a wicked shot like natural goal scorer looking at the 30 goals that he put up in wisconsin like doing it at the nhl like it's nothing he looks fantastic nick suzuki another another little lad looks absolutely unbelievable on montreal the two of them are very dynamic and very very skilled in the first couple of games against vegas um I really didn't think that the series was going to go the way that it did, specifically because Vegas was just absolutely pushing Montreal like around the outside of the zone and wasn't really giving them any ice uh, up the middle to, to do anything, and it looked like it was just going to be a wash. But the two of them figured it out, watched some film, had some Wheaties, I don't know, had some of Mike's special stuff, happy 23rd episode, and went out there and were just freaks. So, wow good for them good for the fan base montreal's fan base is very annoying like overall but there's a lot of long-suffering habs fans that this is really really good for and i'm i'm excited for them a couple guys that watch the sh- that, that listen to the show uh shoe and, and holloway i know are big habs guys they're losing their minds and we're happy for you guys for sure can i just say one thing can we stop with the canada's team thing yeah. I, I, yeah, like this whole idea that any team that goes to the cup final or goes on a long playoff run automatically becomes Canada's team is complete and utter bullshit. Like I, I am the the way that I see it is when it comes to the Canadian teams, I think everybody is kind of in a pit against each other because every team wants to be the first team to bring it back to Canada. So for me at least, I like happy for Habs fans, but I also don't want the Habs to win because I want 
uh, a certain orange and blue team to be the one that or to be the ones that actually bring it back to Canada. And no, I'm not talking about the New York Islanders, uh, but. I just like the 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 idea that that this whole country needs to like rally around one team is just so stupid like it's not like why are we doing this just because you know the states has won the cup the most times over the last you know two decades like it's it's just it's just dumb and I just I think it's just and anybody that gets mad over me being bitter and being like uh no I'm not cheering for the freaking Habs uh you know what why don't you become a real hockey fan first yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too political here, but uh, if you want to be your own distinct nation in Canada, I don't think that you can be Canada's team too, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I digress. There is something from this series that we do need to talk about because it's been highly discussed, and I think that it would be fun to talk about, and that is the goaltending switch-up that the Vegas Golden Knights did throughout this series that had a lot of people scratching their heads. Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury playing uh, both in this series. I think um, out of the six games, Fleury played four and uh, Robin played two, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I have some thoughts, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, I was out with a couple guys there on Friday uh, talking talking hockey and, and going over things, and they were all kind of scratching their heads. They're like, what? You know, why the hell, why would they not be playing Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, do you think it was all the puck handling uh, debacle? Like, you know, what, what the heck? Like, because Fleury's been unreal this year, right? Like, he's a, yeah. Vez, he's a Vezina candidate. His numbers look unbelievable. But there's a longer story that goes with the Robin Leonard acquisition for Vegas Golden Knights that I think, you know, any team that's worth its weight in a playoff run, you know, has depth, right? And that's exactly what Robin Leonard was brought onto this team to be, was goaltending depth, because... You know, Marc-Andre Fleury, is, as good as he is, fourth all-time in wins and fantastic numbers, cups, all that stuff, he has been replaced in the playoffs a couple of times um, for, you know, not necessarily poor performance, but for a spark. And I think that that's exactly what throwing Robin Leonard in was, was a bit of a spark for that Vegas team because, like we've been talking about, they were so highly touted to win this, like it was going to be four games, it was going to be a rollover, it was going to be such a joke. Um, wow, suddenly we're down, holy shit, like we got to get fired up here. And the easiest thing you can do is switch your goalies, especially if your lineup is kind of set and you've got guys that are playing hurt. Like Alex Martinez played this series with a broken foot. That's unreal, the fact yeah. that he was able to go out there and do that. But I think personally it was more just a spark to throw Leonard in there rather than a gaff from Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and the it like it's tough to say because like not only does it, like we talk about this with Mike Smith about like the sort of like raw raw energy he does bring, and I do think that Robin Leonard has a lot of that too. We heard the stories about um, like it sort of came out that Robin Leonard had this like pregame ritual of sort of going through Twitter and like looking at his haters on Twitter <laughs> uh, just to see if he was getting any sort of backlash, and he was because naturally when a when a guy basically uh, leads the team to nearly a Vesna Trophy status, I still think that's going to go to Vasilevsky, but I digress. I think that there is a bit of a you know a bit of a I don't want to say little man syndrome, but like a a sort of like you doubted me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and prove you fuckers wrong. And I do think that Robin Leonard provides a lot of that energy. And maybe that's good for your locker room and, and, and maybe that's exactly what the team needed. I 
I don't know. It, it's tough for me to say based off of the performance of the two because obviously, like Mark Andre Fleury finished with like a nine hundred three save percentage in the series, and Robin Leonard finished with like a nine thirty three. Granted, Leonard played two less games in him, so it's tough to say. But I think after like after an initial Montreal loss, I really think you 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 have these two goaltenders that are paid to a point where like. These guys are 1A, 1B. This isn't some, like, you know, putting in Miko Koskinen for Mike Smith shit. Like, this is, no matter what, at the end of the day, 1A, 1B. So if one falters right away, I personally think you should have to go to that next guy. 100%. Um, 100%. Just because they're, they're, me- they're meant for that role. And exactly like I was saying before, that's what he was brought in there to do, like to yeah. be in an, to be an insurance policy. And although he's getting paid quite a bit of money to have, you know, a guy that's largely sitting on the bench um it's great to know that you can throw another guy in there that can steal you a game because robin leonard is a is a game stealer he's a fantastic goaltender so i've pulled up a little bit of numbers just to kind of compare the two of them from the acquisition point of 2019 2020 where robin leonard was playing on a pretty bad chicago team uh he had a 3.1 so let's say three goals against average and a one uh, a 0.918 save percentage um <sighs> So like that's insanity. Making, that's so good. Making crazy, <laughs> crazy stops, getting a lot of pucks. Uh, then he gets traded to Vegas, plays three games with them, and goes .940 with a 1.67 uh, goals against average in his three games with Vegas. Contrary to that, or conversely to that, Mark Andre Fleury in that same season had a 2.77 goals against average and a .905 save percentage, uh, 27 wins in 49 games. So you know okay numbers on a really good defensive team so they brought in robin leonard who was like a premier goaltending trade deadline guy and he was good they lost to the sharks that year in the first round in seven games there was a bunch of shit around that whatever way she goes next year they were a little bit more of a tandem uh robin leonard in the covid year before the play-in round had a 0.913 save percentage with a 2.29 goals against average 13 wins in 19 games Marc-Andre Fleury was a 0.198 goals against average 0.928 save percentage 26 wins in 36 games so they were you know very much a tandem um Robin Leonard playing about a third as many games but was still like damn good lights out and I think that that's what they were trying to do there uh Pete DeBoer was trying to do there was spark the boys up a little bit throw in another goalie and that's what happens I do want to say that I think it's really funny that Marc-Andre Fleury has, like, the bad luck history that he does with playing the puck in, like, the worst situations. Like, do you remember the World Juniors when he played the puck in overtime off the guy's ass right into the net and lost? Yeah. Yeah, I remember crying at school hearing about that. So, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, stay in the net, fella. We love you, but stay in the net. The... uh... (laughs) The coincidental nature of this is the fact that I'm wearing a Los Angeles Clippers hat right now. And I said last night that after the game four loss that Paul George, like great player, really talented, but by God, does he know how to blow a game on the most incredible epic level? It just will miss the last two free throws in order to clinch a game or to make it close. It's, 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 Honest, honestly, I'm not even mad at this point. I'm just I'm blown away by the sheer magnitude of how badly this guy can blow a game. So I think that's very similar to say with uh, Mark Andre Fleury. But we do love Flower here. Um, big great flower. player, big Flower guys, for Hall sure. of Famer. We love him. But uh, yeah, yikes. 
I really, really, really wanted Vegas to get a cup this year so that Marc-Andre Fleury could have two and two and just, like, kind of cement his status. Um, yeah. Because, like, now he's going to he's gonna go to the Hall of Fame. It's no question. But there's always going to be that looming point where it's like, oh, he's got three cups, but only one is actually his, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I, w- I would have liked to see him get another one just to silence the It also sucks, too, because... It- because in between the last or between those two cups, like the the 2009 one and the 2016 one, he was just like not very good mm-hmm. for those for those like seven years or however long it was. And I don't know what the hell happened once he got to Vegas, but he just became like a superstar again. So <sighs> Vegas guy has got has got some tough decisions to make this summer. Because um, moving on from that, the the overall story of the series or the overall theme is the the conversation that we need to have over whether or not this is great play by the Habs or whether it's just a, 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 a big steamy turd by the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm going to be a bit of a fence rider because I think it's both. I honestly think it's both because I do think when you don't have your top six playing to their, to their best potential, um, it obviously makes it a hell of a lot easier on the Habs. Now, with that being said... That is a part of playoffs. Like you, you have to have you have to have all four lines clicking and ready to go. So no matter what, it's it's not it's not an excuse for Vegas. Um, my concern comes with I got I guess like the next round for the Habs, but it just Vegas just wasn't good. And at the very at the at, at the very front of that pack is their captain Mark Stone, um, a guy we're both really big fans of, and he had a awful series. Uh, zero points, minus three in the series. Um, a lot of a lot of speculation that he was playing injured the entire time, which I still think is a possibility. Um, but but Mark Stone declined, and he just said, "I got skunked this series. This can't happen. I'm the leader of the team. I take a lot of responsibility for what just happened." So you like to see that from a leader, but at the same time, like you can't lose that on Mark Stone. I mean, he's your he's he, like he is your franchise player. Um, and I, I think, I think at the end of the day, not only did he not show up, Max Pratchett didn't show up. Um, William Carlson had a ton of assists, but he could use a little bit more of that goal scoring. And realistically speaking, the defensive pairing of Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo were first in, were well, were right, right up front. Yeah, well, Chandler Stevenson, Jonathan Marsha Show, uh, Riley Smith, Pacioretty, like those are big name guys on that team that need to produce. And I'm looking at the numbers here. Um, roughly, mm, let's say four points between all of them. Maybe a little bit more. I didn't count Pacioretty. Three, yeah. So make it seven between all those guys. Like if that's your offensive drivers and they're not showing up, like tough, very tough. You can't really expect to win in that regard. Um, yeah. I'm going to be a bad guy. and I'm going to make an excuse for Vegas simply that they had a way tougher road to the cup having to play yeah, having to play against uh the wild in seven having to play colorado who's a fucking juggernaut in seven and then go six against montreal like give credit where credit's due montreal showed up and they beat them and that is it is what it is but like i don't know um that's really those are two really good teams that they had to play in minnesota and colorado and if you if you think i'm being a, a nummy let's have this conversation next year when you see how vegas and colorado do in their own rights well, assuming Kaprizov comes back, but I think that's a bigger discussion than than what's being being had here. But yeah, I, I think Vegas had a really tough road to the cup, and combination of Montreal being crazy and their top guys not producing is gonna happen. Sucks. I'm sorry to see it. I'm sad to see it, but it'll happen. One thing one thing I think really affected the team overall, um, 
and I, I, I could just talk. I could just be just talking up my ass, but I really think that that Vegas is really starting to see what happens when you don't have a true number one center, and I think that's a bit of an issue for them. Because I, I think that they have a similar problem to like a team like Nashville, where they have a lot of number two guys and a lot of guys that you that you ideally want to have on your second line. Um, William Carlson's good, Chandler Stevenson is good, but I would I would ideally like those guys as my second and third line centers um, in a perfect world. Yeah. Leading to that being said, uh, Jack Eichel. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> I mean, to Vegas. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Like. I, like at this point, they're in on everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do I, I? I would not be shocked in the slightest if there's a deal to be made where uh, Vegas sends a, a bunch of really good players to Buffalo in order to get Jack Eichel back. Because realistically, like, Flurry may become a Penguin, which I wouldn't be surprised by, and then that frees up seven million dollars, and then move some other salary around, and you can probably you probably make it work, like. I yeah. would not be surprised if there was something on the lines of like a William Carlson and some shit for for Jack Eichel. Like, no, for sure. And I don't want to get too off track, but uh, your sneaky dark horse pick there. We were texting, and you were talking about Anaheim. Jack Eichel potentially going to Anaheim. I think that could be a really interesting fit. They've got a lot of young guys on that team that I'm sure could go the other way to Buffalo. Um, but uh, sorry, Flame Sign Kyle. I do not think that he's coming to Canada. No, he's 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 not going to the Flames. Uh, I I just I I just don't see the I just don't see the value of him going there. I can more so see it being a team that has a ton of prospects and can really make a move for it. Sorry, there's a fucking June bug in here, and I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to get him away from me. What is a June bug? Uh, it's like a beetle that f- it's a it's like a flying beetle. And is that, is, uh, that the, is that the moth with orange on it? No, it's like a it's 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 brown with like a lightish sort of underbelly to it, but they're really annoying. They fly around, they're attracted to light, uh, and they make like a buzzing noise. I know, ironic that a pest control guy cannot seem to get rid of June bugs. Um, they're a pain in the ass, and they're a fucking nightmare to get rid of. And uh, yeah, they fly by your head. It's great. Uh, anyways, there's a June bug in here, so uh, yeah. If you hear me kind of dodging out of the way and trying to smack one out of the sky, then uh, that's uh, that's what's going on. So, uh, you know, nonetheless, you know what else buzzes around and is really hard to kill? The Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're very skilled. Um, how about that series for you, Noel Lizzle? Who were you? Who were you liking? Like, let, 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 let's take the let's take a, let's, let's let's do a, th- a thousand foot overview here and let's look at the start of the series when this series started. I think you were pretty big on the Islanders. Am I correct in saying that? I was. It was more, it wasn't even the fact that, like, I I thought that they were necessarily a better team than Tampa. I just, you know when a team just has that, that stuff, and you're, and you're watching them, and you're like, this team just, 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 just seems to have it. It's like the feeling I had when I watched, like, Chicago in 2010, um, the team that, or the way I felt even with Vancouver in 2011, it was just, there was that aura around that team. And every time that they went back to Nassau or Nassau, that it just felt like this team was going to go on, uh, was going to go on a really long run. And really it came down to game seven, right? So it was, it was nice to see, but at the end of the day, I think talent just prevailed over anything or more than anything. But yeah, I, I, I did, I did pick Isles and it, like I said, it wasn't necessarily based off of talent of the team. It was just, I felt that they had that, 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 that oomph to them. <laughs> that, that Italian seasoning. 
Yes. That spice, that spicy vinaigrette. Too it's bad. Me. Too bad. It's me sprinkling the salt. That's yeah. Too bad. Uh, Jack Capuano isn't still behind the bench there because he is the Italian sub eater of all time. He is the most New York Islanders coach of all time. Oh, what the fuck, Jabroni? Gabagool. Baza, what are you doing? <laughs> Speaking of Baza, what are you doing? Let's uh, let's do a little bit of a dive here. I've got some numbers figured out. And, like, yeah, I know you were big on the Islanders. Not big on the Islanders, but favoring the Islanders. I've, I've been Tampa for quite a while. Um, and I've kind of flip-flopped between Tampa and Vegas, like, throughout the season for being my, my favorite pick. And I, I thought Tampa was going to handle it. And Tampa sure did. They took care of business. I mean, yeah, this game went seven. But I think there were two games that were, like, pretty, like, outclassed where Tampa would just looked absolutely, like, unstoppable. Like, looked like an absolute racehorse against a pigeon. Well, when you beat a teammate, nothing. That's uh, typically yeah, how like it looks. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that's nasty, right? Um, so let's do, look at some numbers here. So starting with Tampa Bay, Kucherov in seven games had nine assists, no goals. Braden Point. Um, went six goals, two assists, eight points in 18 minutes of average ice time. Alex Kalorn, Victor Hedman both had five points this series. Stamkos, Palat, Sorelli all both had four. The only member of the Tampa Bay Lightning to not have a point in this series was Sergachev. And he still averaged 22 minutes and was a plus three. So it's not like he was a nothing out there. Like just to show how deep and how good this Tampa Bay team is, they're firing on all cylinders. Um especially being led out of the back end. Andre Vasilevsky, a point nine four. Um, he gave up 11 goals all series. He's been a freak. Overall, in the playoffs, he is a point nine three six save percentage and a 1.99 goals against average. He is absolutely lights out. Conversely, the New York Islanders. Bazel, what are you doing? Three goals, two assists, five points. He had 15 pims in the seven games. So for a team that is like defensively staunch and prides themselves on their ability to play defense, that's too many minutes to be in the box, especially I think he's one of their... He gets a lot of minutes on the penalty kill as well, does he not? Yeah, well, no, I... I'm not entirely certain. I don't but, think so because they, 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 have, they, have a lot of, they have a lot of way better guys that are, right, that but, are better in the defensive zone. But the fast, one thing I did want to... Go ahead, go ahead, go oh, ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to mention, I, I think a lot of those numbers are definitely inflated because of the, because of the uh, misconduct he took um, right. at the end of game five. Is it, yeah, was it game, yeah, yeah, game five, um, where he... Um, where he got the was it the, the was it, oh, fuck I already can't remember was it a high stick or was it a cross stick nonetheless though uh, very dirty play on his part right any anywho uh, Jordan Eberle former Wailer three points one of which were goals Ryan Pulak was a dash five one goal no points aside from that goal uh, interesting little tidbit here uh, Palmieri Travis Zajac Jean Gabriel Pajot all combined for zero points and averaged over 15 minutes of ice time per game so the deadline acquisitions the past two years for the Islanders um, kind of were a no-show in this series and if you're going out and picking those guys up uh, first round pick for Palmieri and Zajac you need them to produce and that's uh, that's tough I think that's the underlying tale of this series um, Varlamov was good. He had a point nine one eight save percentage. So, like numbers wise, he was pretty good. I don't have his goals against the average in front of me, but he gave up a pile. <laughs> Obviously, in some <laughs> in some of those games, they kind of got out of hand. But like by no means was he uh, a net negative to that team. I think he had an overall not a bad series. Um, Vasilevsky was just on a different planet, outclassed him, and Tampa Bay just banged him. Way she goes, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's just 
sometimes you have everything go right for you and then you just run into the wrong team. And I think that's kind of what happened with, with the New York Islanders. Um, one thing I did want to mention with the Islanders. So they have to resign. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, Ilya Sorokin, Adam Pellick, and they have, well, and also Palmieri is gone, uh, most likely. Uh, Zajac will be gone. Oh, yeah, they have to resign Casey Sezikis as well, which is part of their like big third for big fourth line. They have $5.7 million in cap space. Ouch. Yeah, buddy. Uh, worth noting too, their captain <laughs> Anders Lee was out the entire playoffs. That's tough, uh, losing a big leadership presence like that, but not making excuses for them. And that certainly doesn't have anything to do with their cap health situation. So that is going to be fun for uh, Lightning Lou Lamorello. Looking forward to that one. Who right was just the GM of the year, which was kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I don't get it, man. I, I think if you're a guy like Julian Breesbrough, even though he did finagle the cap and he has eighteen million dollars more than every other team uh playing right now, I still think what he did was smart and I think he made the necessary moves that he needed to. And he also brought in David Savard at the deadline, which I'm not a big David well, Savard guy, like, but like that's a nice that's a nice pickup. Wasn't the Islanders? I think like Tampa's hello over the cap, but like the Islanders are over the cap as well in their own right. Yeah. Well, the difference is is that like with Tampa this upcoming year, they have to like straight up they have to make a big change. Like there is going to be a big change. I think the only reason why it didn't happen this year is because you had. I do think that Kucherov did have an injury. I think that there 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 absolutely does have something to be said about the whole like. Was Kucherov actually injured or not? I do think that he he was for sure hurt. Um, but with that being said, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like, I think this year it's going to be a little bit more tough, especially because the league is going to be watching Tampa Bay very closely. And you won't be able to make any of these, like, big, like, additions, you know, just because now, oh, Hedman seems to have an issue with his ankle, so he's going to be out for the entire year. Um, but with the Isles... They just they just straight up have a lot of guys signed to big contracts. Well, Cal, Clutter, like, Cal Clutterbuck's making three and a half million dollars. Exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's shit like that. And it's even like to be completely honest, too. Um, there's just like a lot of guys too where they're good players. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Brock Nelson. I think Brock Nelson is a, is a is a very good player. Um, but six million dollars for four more years. Um, it just, it's just tough. And especially when you've got, and, and like even Anders Lee too, $7 million for five more years. And he's 30 years old. And I love Anders Lee. I think Anders Lee's a great player, captain, all that shit. Love him. But that's a lot of guys that you're signing to like star money that are more. Yeah top six kind of guys at this moment. And so maybe if the cap went up like everyone was expecting to, it might look a hell of a lot better. But I just think there's a lot of guys on that team that are making just a bit more money than they should be. Lou Lamorello signing those deals, hoping the cap would go up. Put it all on black. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Pandemic hits. He's just... Ah! <laughs> He's just he's just, <laughs> he's just selling blowjobs in the bathroom. <laughs> Shave your mustache. 
Uh, anywho, uh. um, what else did I want to say about this series? Oh, so, uh, like, do you remember the Anthony Bavillier, Anna Kendrick stuff that happened a couple of years ago? Vaguely. So that, like, I've been making that joke and no one's really been, like, addre- like looking at it or, like, even acknowledging it. And I don't know if it's because people don't remember or if because it's not funny, but, like, I feel like it's a little column A, column B. He tweeted at her, like, hey, or something, like hey i'm anthony or something just sus like that right and then a bunch of people it kind of got that internet treatment where everybody was like hey thanks for rescuing all those uh shelter puppies out of that fire that was really cool of you and like tagging both of them in it and like thanks for letting me borrow your lamborghini and all of your hockey equipment like too bad the cup was just like way too big like everybody was just absolutely gassing them up and then she was like haha hi anthony bavillier like it was just like <laughs> not, nothing please came, stop talking to me <laughs> nothing came of it but i, I just think think it's really funny that like at the time a fourth line nhl player was just absolutely pulling up from the logo with a, t- <laughs> with a twitter what's up dude speaking of anthony bavillier i'd be super into the oilers going after him in the offseason if he's an rfa and like the islanders are having trouble re-signing him like that could be a really good top six player for your team oh for sure um i like him. Honest- i like him a lot like on a side note, um, so I've been making like little notes in my phone of just like things I've, I've wanted to talk about, and I honestly completely forgot about it until you were talking. Um, I wanted to bring up something that I think is fucking hilarious. Miles, I'm assuming you've heard of uh, Kess's House. Pardon? Have you seen the commercials for Kess's House? No. So it's a like digital series, I think, uh, which uh, stars uh, former Vancouver Canuck Ryan Ryan Kessler, uh, and basically it's celebrities and like other athletes uh, coming over to his house, or I think they're FaceTiming in or some shit like that, and he basically just talks with these people. And uh, so, uh, if 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 you're if you're unfamiliar with that, well. They decided that they're going to do something because I, I really think that they're trying to make Ryan Kessler like another Kevin Bieksa and think that this is all going to work really well. Which just, just, just stop. Anyways, that that pad grabbing fuck you. So I'm assuming you're also familiar. Well, obviously you're familiar with Steve Dangle, but Steve Dangle was doing these th- or was doing the uh, was doing the like Leafs watch party thing. Basically, he was streaming live from Sportsnet and reacting to the Leaf games while they were going on against the Habs. So. It it worked out really well. I guess he had a lot of people tuning in, which is great. I I like seeing that stuff. I th- I think that's really interesting. I think having um, you know having very passionate fans um, on the side of a broadcast makes things like a little bit more compelling. Um, and then so they decided that he was going to continue to do it for the Habs series against Vegas, which is cool. Like good for Steve Dangle and all that stuff. Then Sportsnet thinks we should do this for the other series. But with Ryan Kessler, what does Ryan Kessler do? Well, Miles, I'm glad you asked. He invites Anson Carter and Colby Armstrong over to watch the game at Kess's house. And what, where, where, where do you think they're watching the game in Kess's house, Miles? In the garage, hot dogs grilling. Incorrect. At Ryan Kessler's bar in his house. And what do you typically do at a bar, Miles? Have a couple of drinks. And typically, what happens when you have a couple of drinks? You text girls stuff you shouldn't. Yeah, but you also may say shit that 
you, you, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, correct. So I'd like, to tell you, I'd like to tell you a, a couple of highlights from this live stream. This was on the Sportsnet YouTube account. They were live streaming this. Uh, so basically a lot of stuff is just, uh, is just a bunch of like, uh, there was a, a point where Anson Carter said, I would not have a defenseman under six feet on my team, which is just fucking stupid. Like it's not like Brian Rafalski won three cups. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> um, then, uh, the next one was, uh, when the end of the first period happened, uh, Ryan Kessler with some with some gripping analysis of the first period saying, uh, the Islanders played boring as fuck like they always do. And then, this is my favorite line from the stream. I only tuned in for like a period and a half maybe. From Ryan Kessler, I tell my son, you've got to play like you've got the biggest mm on the ice. And everyone was like, and everyone's pissed drunk. Like, you can see it on Colby Armstrong's face. He is, like, plaster drunk. And he says, what do you mean? And then Ryan Kessler says, uh, the biggest cock on the ice. <laughs> like, and then I'm watching this, and I'm like, what a fucking shit show. Like, if you're talking about... I don't, I just I just don't get it, man. I think that shit like that just makes the... Just makes, like... Sportsnet and the NHL just look so bush league. I don't know. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm overreacting to it, but I just think that that's if you're coming at it from a from a super professional standpoint. And I'm sorry, but if a guy like Steve Dangle has to be on his best behavior and not swear and 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 all that shit, why are you letting Ryan Kessler have free reign? You know, just yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's a little bit like the like the dichotomy is different just because like Steve Dangle's a fan versus Ryan Kessler like being a former player and I think that like he gets a little bit of or like what media outlets are trying to do is like catch a little bit of the spit and chicklets fire where they're like grabbing oh. former hockey players and like kind of letting them like have like locker room talk a little bit and I hate I hate using the term locker room talk because Donald Trump wrecked it but like let them talk like they're just the boys you know what I mean and like shit like that happens they're drinking they're talking stupid and then you get that um on the flip side PK Subban is doing work with ESPN did you see him and uh did I you, did I uh did you see him and Stephen A I did see that. Did he you hear him to... mispronounce Cole Caulfield and call him that Cole is... Caulfield? Uh, that's exactly... I was about to bring so, that up. I would say that that is more Bush League, in my opinion, than, like, a live stream watch party, which, like, I think very few people, unless that, like, clip gets posted and, like, talked about by, like, keyboard warriors, are really going to be up in arms about. Whereas you have Cole Caulfield, who is having an unbelievable playoff run, like... You're trying to grow the game in the states, so you've got PK and Stephen A. Like prime with time PK's clip former team <laughs> with PK's former team calling like the stud of the Montreal Canadiens, Cole Caulfield, twice. Yeah, three fucking times. Stephen A. said it once, and PK said it. I think at least twice. Like that is bush league. That's brutal. That's not vetting your guys before they go out for any sort of media. Like that's that's fucking terrible. That's laughable. Yeah, that's a bit of tough luck. I will give you credit where credits where, where credits do there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm not I'm not big on the whole like on the whole making everything look like spit and chicklets thing because I think that that's a problem that the NHL has right now, and I just I want them to just step away from that because I think we're st- like once you get to that, then it's going to become 
I don't know. It's just... Dude, that's all the NHL... That's all the NHL knows how to do is find something that works and then beat the living fuck out of it until there's yeah. nothing left. Like, Scott Gomez has his own series on the NHL now where it's, uh, like, Gomez's road trip and he's going around and talking to guys that he used to play with that, like, were not even household names in the early 2000s. Like... It's just, it just blows my mind. Like hockey players are interesting. And we've talked about this before where like they need to show a little bit of their personality, but like Scott Gomez is the guy that you're going to get NHL to do this. Like you can't, is he really the best personality that you can find to go around and talk to former teammates? And like, yeah, I guess the guys want a cup, couple cups and like played with some great players, but they're, <laughs> they're not getting the, the, the creme of the crop. Like I think they got Marty Berdur, uh for one of them, but like, Dude, come on. I don't know. I just, the NHL likes to find something that works and just keep throwing it, it at it before, before trying anything else. And it takes away all of the, like, fun of anything that they do. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. it makes my marketing brain sad. Yeah, NHL, hire us, please. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the solution. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, should we just jump to it and get to the Stanley Cup preview? Stanley Cup. Okay, before we get into the Stanley Cup preview, there was some stuff that happened today, and then a lot of other stuff happened. And it was—it primarily has to do with Mark Bergevin being answered questions in French. And like, I don't know if you've seen much of that on Twitter today, but it's a fucking train yeah, wreck. Steve, Steve Simmons going off. Well, the like the NHL like. <sighs> okay, I was reading an article couple of days ago about like the lack of french-born players on the montreal canadians roster this year i think the only one who's playing is deno and like jonathan drew really? is out yeah jonathan drew has oh yeah i guess so playoffs. Hey? so the only like this if you looked at their 93 roster i think there's like seven or eight guys that are like matthew and like jean ralphio and like all these different Lefler names. yeah shit. right yeah. carbano like french canadians so the fact that there's only one this year has a lot of like like La Belle Provence is like losing their mind over this, right? Because it's such a point of pride for them, and that like Montreal historically has tried to like grow French Canadian born players, and the fact that they only yeah. have that they only have Dano, who's going to be an Oiler next year, is like eating them alive, right? <laughs> so uh, they're all yeah, no, he's he's getting seven million dollars. There's no fucking way we're getting Philip Dano. He's getting paid in pizza, pizza. That's that's it. He works for cheap. So anyway. <laughs> People like French Canadian Montreal fans are already losing their fucking mind because they don't have their token boys out there to cheer for. So you combine this with there being French specific media at this like Stanley Cup presser, and the NHL does the uh, the genius thing of not hiring any translators. So they're doing this interview and they're getting asked questions by like national media outlets in the states, followed up by French questions that no one's translating. So there's like really awkward pauses and zero flow in how this interview is yeah. going. And he's getting asked the same questions like back to back. And Mark Bergevin, being the swanky yacht boy that he is with that red suit, is just going out there and he's like i was just that was that question and then like kind of laughs and like eats a crepe like it's brutal and that's the nhl's fuck up because like you need to know to pander to that audience and not even pander to that audience but just be prepared and know that that's a thing like quebec is its own beast very much and the nhl is just like ah everything's out in new york 
we'll, we'll figure it out. And they sure as shit are not figuring it out. So we are off to a great start in the Stanley Cup, Nolan. And I'm really <laughs> looking forward to uh, all the Americans that are going to get the rude, uh, rude introduction to the province of Quebec that they have been missing the past few years. Yeah, and like, so the um, like the thing with that is... I agree with you to the point where it's the whole, like, they should definitely have translators because it, it just doesn't make sense, especially when you're going to the cup final and it's, like, the most important part of your season. Like, you should absolutely have translators there no matter what. It's similar to, like, um, you know, what, like whatever you think of the guy, but, like, you, you know, like, when, like, Trudeau has, like, a press conference, right? And Trudeau does a press conference, and no matter what, if the answer's in English or French, there's always a translation in either French or English, which I think that's exactly what you should be doing, because if Mark if Mark Bergevin gets, or gets asked a question in French, answers in French, you should have an English translation on the back end, and then vice versa. If he gets asked a question in English, then he sh- and then he answers in English, well, they should have a French translation as well. Just make it a lot easier for everybody to know what the hell they're talking about um the way that steve simmons worded his tweet earlier today was just a little bit it just came off as very like anti-french which i don't agree with um it's just like if if it is one of two national languages then it's one of two national languages whatever i'm not i just i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna piss and moan over but yeah you're right like the nhl should absolutely have a translator there for well, dude there's one province in canada that is bilingual and it's newfoundland f- like f- quebec's language is french the fact that you're going into there and yeah. you're not prepared for that is like is a joke yeah you're a major sports yeah, league yeah. and you and you don't know the geography of a country that you have seven fucking teams in like it's embarrassing i don't know i just and, and yeah. I, i'm not I, I know i made crepe jokes and i've been making like french jokes all episode and stuff like that but like at, <laughs> at the end of the day like you do need to know your audience and like yeah understand how passionate montreal is as a fan base and how yeah. like that province lives and dies for that team and the fact that you're not prepared for that yeah. mm, try again sweetie well, well, it's no different than like Ottawa too. Like Ottawa has the same issue where Ottawa is like a pretty well like a bilingual team as well. I mean, Pierre Dorian's French and a lot of his answers he gives in both French and English as well. So, um, right, but it's, I, I, it's, to, yeah, it's absolutely to fair. My, yeah. To my point, no, I think right. when you go into Ottawa, you're still expecting English. You go, yeah, you yeah. go into Montreal, and you know damn well that there's going to be a Gazette reporter yeah. that's only going to speak French. They're called the, they're called the senators, whereas the Habs are called the Canadiens. Right, exactly. And Get that is mean. a tweet that has been. Anyways. that has been a geopolitical Canadian hockey talk with Miles. <laughs> Welcome, thanks for being here. So this series, from afar on paper, this series just looks completely lopsided for the, for the Lightning. Um, You've got Kucherov point as the leaders for the Lightning, uh, nine and eight points in seven games respectively, as you mentioned before. And below them, you've got a bunch of guys that are waiting to have monster series, um, which include the likes of a little guy named Steven Stamkos, a little guy named Victor Hedman, Yanni Gord, Anthony Sorelli, Blake Coleman, Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev, who is playing in the Stanley Cup final against his former team. And Jonathan Drouin isn't even there to play his former team, which is kind of unfortunate for him. Uh, thoughts are thoughts are with Drouin, by the way, too, because obviously he's been off just because of some personal reasons. So thoughts are absolutely with Jonathan Drouin. Hope you get better, man. Now, with that being said, um, 
and this kind of goes to show like how you feel about underlying numbers. And there's a discussion to be had about it, but the underlying numbers of both of these teams in the playoffs do tell a bit of a different story. Both teams are quite close. Um, 50.81% expected goals for the Habs, 50.03 expected goals for the Lightning. Now, it is important to note that the Habs did sweep the Jets in the previous round, so they did have a much easier second round. They played a much inferior opponent. And the Bolts did have to play the Canes and the Islanders, especially a series against the Islanders is a tough go. Like you're playing a team that knows how to play very smart defensively and can completely suppress you offensively. Dude, and um, Florida. They have, yeah, ha- they oh, yeah, have had an Florida absolute too, yeah. behemoth run of teams to play. Yeah. So there could be a much... So there is a... I don't like saying this because I do think it's unfair to the Habs, but there is an easier path for the Habs to make it to the cup final. And I think that just as a rational fan, you have to be able to say that. Like, you, you it's just it's just a fact, right? Yep. Um, the goaltending matchup looks to be in a pretty well even lock. Um, I know that we may disagree on this in, in, in some circumstances, but I, I do think that with the performance prices put up, just because he's he's literally been the MVP, like he's been the Habs MVP, and it hasn't even been close. Um, but Andre Vasilevsky is probably the best goaltender in the league, so you're kind of have two of these juggernauts going up against one another in the Cup final. Well, I I know we've made fun of uh, the term <clears throat> gamer being said before, but I think that they're like. Carey Price is going to be a fucking gamer in this series more than I think Vasilevsky will. Like, Carey Price is coming out, like, how many years has he been in the league? He got drafted in 2005, fifth overall, and this is his first Stanley Cup appearance. The year that they went to the West or Eastern Conference Final and lost to Philadelphia, I think he got hurt. So Carey Price really hasn't had, like, a deep playoff run, deep chance, and I think that he's going to go absolutely bonkers and, like, totally sees the opportunity in front of him. When they went to the Eastern Conference final, it was the it was the show of a certain Slovakian yeah, goaltender. Yeah, that was Yaro Halak who went stupid. Yeah, that was the Halak run. Holy shit. I, I don't like the Habs, but I genuinely cheered for the Habs during that series because I fucking loved Yaroslav Halak. Man, Yaro Halak, Christopher Huey, um, who was a French-born, LOL, uh, Jose Tedor, like they've had some unbelievable goalies in like my lifetime. Like I've always like I hated Montreal, but I've always loved the guys that they've had in that. Like I've been a Montreal goalie stand for a really long time. So Carey Price, Shea Weber, like two guys that have never really gotten that Stanley Cup final chance. And I'm sure that they're just absolutely chomping at the bit. And I think that that could be a little bit of uh, of a difference maker in this series but I don't think it's enough for Montreal to take it. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other, the other, the other uh, component to this too is like their fourth line with Eric Stahl and Corey Perry as well. I, I think is, I think it's pretty big. Like both of those guys are just, I, I, I think a little bit too much has been made about like the value those guys bring on the fourth line because it's just like, yes, they're players that are playoff performers and they're very good. Um, <laughs> I still don't think that's like a type of guy that you give like a two-year deal to and pay like $3 million a year for. Um, but nonetheless, I do think that there is a lot of value in having those two guys on your roster because they're guys that have done it before and have been to that point. Um, and they're just they're just older guys along with Shea Weber. Uh, Mark Bergevin was really drunk one night playing NHL 2012 with his buddies and was like, 
building his dream team and he's like Corey Perry <laughs> Shea <laughs> Weber Eric Stahl <laughs> fuck these guys are good like, <laughs> this is so fucking sick right now even Jeff Petrie man also R.I.P. Jeff Petrie former Oiler I don't know why I said R.I.P. but um, he's very yeah. much alive and very much like a f- imposing force on that blue line. Yeah, even even if he have, even if he has laser eyes because he fucking got going G- Gary fucking laser eyes. Near, <laughs> near pink eye. Um but yeah, like like the Habs are a good team, okay? And I think that we need to like fully admit that. Like there is no there this isn't a lucky team that just kind of like stumbled their way into the playoffs. Like they they are a genuinely good team. I think um they gave Vegas a lot and Vegas shit the bed, obviously, but uh, no, Montreal. Montreal is, is a good team, and uh, nice part too is that their head coach will finally be back from their from his COVID stint uh, in Game Three. Uh, Dom Ducharme, so Billy Joel we'll Ducharme. Yeah, but should we make our picks, Miles? Yes, and I will okay. start. Uh-huh. Um, my my heart says gentleman sweep Tampa in five, but my brain says Tampa in six. I picked Tampa in five. Yeah. I think um, – I just think that the the skill below Point and Kucherov is just begging to explode. That sounds disgusting, ah! but I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I just think a guy like Steven Stamkos is prime for a, for a huge series. Alex Kalorn, um, Yanni Gord, obviously, as previously mentioned. I just think a lot of these guys, and I think a guy like Mikhail Sergachev wants to stick it to his old team. So yeah, um, I, I, there is something to be said about that. And then, obviously, like, like that last line of defense with fucking Andre Vasilevsky, too. Like He's going to stop everything that comes in this way. I also think that there's something to be said about, like, I, we, I just talked about Carey Price and Shea Weber, like, wanting to go supernova, but I think Steven Stamkos is, like, gonna be absolutely whacking pucks from a knee, like, from his sweet spot and just banging them home because, like, last year, like... He, he was barely a part of it. He barely was part of it. And I think that he yeah. wants to go out there and, like, win his Stanley Cup. So I, yeah. I could very much see Steven Stamkos, like, taking this game by the throat and, and getting that I, MacGruber turkey. <laughs> I think the uh, I, I think the other thing about Tampa too is like their versatility, uh, like of their playing style. Like they like with the Carolina series, they basically or no, sorry, with the Florida series, they went back and forth offensively. It was a fucking shit show offensively, and then they kind of brought it down a little bit versus Carolina. And then with the Islanders, they played the Islanders style better than the Islanders. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think that they're going to be able to solve Montreal pretty easily. And John Cooper, who apparently is selected to be the head coach of the Canadian Olympic team next year. So shout out John Cooper. But I think John Cooper is just going to feast off of a guy like Dom Ducharme. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm glad that we feel the same way about this series. Um, but I mentioned this beforehand, but Habs fans, can we calm down with the, um, you know, with the uh, receipts for all the haters tweets, the whole like, oh, this is the, this is the screenshot of all the, ple- of, of all the people that picked, that picked the, tor- that picked the Leafs or picked the Golden Knights. Every, like, I'm sorry, you finished 18th. What are we supposed to say? You finished 18th! Like, come on! 
Why is this such a shocker? It's fucking. It's so stupid. And so I, uh, I, I was thinking about the like before. Is like they're gonna have a, especially if they win the cup, they're gonna be so insufferable because they're gonna have the whole like they're gonna have like the montage video of people being on Sportsnet and being like, sorry. <laughs> <They're gonna laughs> That's what people like, are gonna say. They're just, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's just gonna be like Elliot Friedman being like. Well, you know, I just uh, I see the, I see the Habs just not being able to keep up with the offensive pace of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then it's going to be the whole thing until they get to the Stanley Cup final, and then they're going to be like, oh yeah, they don't stand a chance against Tampa, blah blah blah. Anyways, yeah, can can Habs fans just 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 calm down with that shit? And can um, somebody get Elliot Friedman a fucking hairstylist? You're about to be in front of a lot more people, Elliot. Like, we need to put some product into that rat's nest of a, of a head. Um, my buddy Brandon, who's not really, like, that big of a hockey fan, but he just, like, tunes in from time to time, he texts me out of the blue one night and says, Elliot Friedman needs a fucking snip. <laughs> yeah, he, he, like, like, a, like a sheep. On on the like a sheep in the in the hills of Scotland, he needs a shear. Um, oh, one 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 thing I did want to mention, uh, just like NHL related, is uh, shout out JT Brown who retired from the league and then uh, immediately became the color guy for the Seattle Kraken, which is awesome. Good for good for JT Brown. Yeah, man, I, um, I saw that. I really like that. I think that that's like yeah. a very smart move by Seattle. He's a funny guy. He's, yeah, he is a funny yeah, guy. Yeah, he's got a good and, personality. And that goes back to what we were just saying about like how the NHL only picks like dudes. And I think that them picking JT Brown is gonna is like good move by Seattle. Seattle is doing stuff right. I like what Seattle I like what Seattle's got cooking over there. I, I love it. Um, one, uh, one other thing that's, uh, before we get to the Oilers stuff and then we'll close off with, um, kind of a down note. So sorry, but, uh, one, one other thing that I think is really cool. Um, this is just in sports in general. Uh, Carl Nassib, uh, is become the first active gay NFL player, which I think is really inspirational, really cool to see, um, led to a like discussion about the whole like oh you know Michael Sam was the first one well Michael Sam never really made it to the active roster and was just also you know not to sound me but was like not particularly good (laughs) but um no it's I just uh I I just wanted to give just a quick shout out to that because it's been a really important story and I'm hoping this gives a lot more inspiration to other you know other guys in other fields where they feel a little bit more encouraged to be able to come out um, and feel a lot more comfortable being able to talk about this stuff. So just wanted to just say like, that's, that's just, that that's just really cool to see. We love it. We absolutely love to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a couple Oilers notes because we are an Oilers pod. So I would like to get to these things before we. Would it really be a one for one episode if we didn't <laughs> go off the fucking rails and start snorting orange and blue Kool-Aid? I mean, there's some there's some orange and blue Kool Aid, but there's also some like fucking uh, uh, slice my wrists and make me cry tears because there's some not great stuff in here. But anyways, let's start off with some some more positive news. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Elliot Friedman stated that both parties are grinding to find common ground. Uh, this is contrary to the previous news that he was reported, where it was looking less and less likely that the Oilers were going to sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So it's looking pretty good. 
Now, with that being said, uh, Kurt Levins of the Edmonton Journal, who take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because Edmonton Journal can be a little wonky at times, uh, but is reporting that (laughs) Ken Holland... (laughs) has a brown envelope with $30 million for Ryan Nugent Hopkins with five or six-year options on it. This is a very fucking godfather-like offer. (laughs) He probably handed him a pistol in the process as well. It's not actually Um, in a brown envelope. It's in a a black duffel duffel case? Suitcase? It's in a... Briefcase? It's in a a straight-up horse's head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But this this would lead us to believe that five or six-year options... Five-year, $6 million per, or six-year at $5 million per. I know, I know, I don't know about you. I would much rather prefer the latter of the two because uh, keep Nuge forever and also lower cap it. Yeah, boy. Uh, I would like to see that quite a bit. On the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Kurt Levins also expects the Oilers to qualify Jujar Kara. Oh, no. <sighs> I like Jujar Kara. I think he is a player that I wouldn't mind back as like a 13th, 14th forward at like 900K. Uh, qualifying him, I think, puts him at like 1-2 or 1-3. Not ideal. We don't like to see that. And he can also go to arbitration. Ouchie, I don't want that. Well, okay. So, so you just brought up the 13th, 14th forward remark. They just signed yeah. Devin Shore to like league minimum. Like I'm playing that, devil's advocate. I'm, I, I fucking don't I'm want playing, him back. I'm 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 the devil. Like no, <laughs> if you all, <laughs> purple devil emoji. You are. Oh no! You made a reference to too hot to handle. <laughs> Season two, baby. Let's go. Um, I fucking hate Chase. I can't. Don't even get me started Chase, with Chase. Oh man, what about Cam? Chase, I'm a professional football player. I Google it. Yeah, he's a fucking indoor arena league. Get out of here. You're not a professional. It's tantamount to being a hobby player. So you just signed Devin Shore to be your 13th, 14th forward. Like, how many of those do you want? And especially at the the cap that he's gonna get. Like, please, please let Jujar Jujar find um, greener pastures. Solace, solace, and somewhere else. Let him find greener pastures in another market. Let him start fresh. Let him go back to Vancouver. Let him go home. I think that would be nice. Goodbye. (laughs) It's been real. Um, speaking of players looking for greener pastures, uh, James Myrtle reporting that the uh, Oilers could be in on Zach Hyman. We've discussed this uh, discussed this to death already, but uh, he is speculating Zach Hyman could command around six million dollars per year on the open market. I do not want Zach Hyman on the Oilers. So. I don't want this to become like like fuck you fuel because I could I feel like if it ever happened and Zach Hyman worked out and he had just had like a nasty year playing with McDavid or something like it'd be awesome no and then and then people would be like do you remember episode 23 where you said some bad stuff about him um I don't fucking want Zach Hyman and if the Oilers get Zach Hyman at six million dollars I'm gonna have to talk to Ken Holland (laughs) <laughs> like someone needs to sit him down and be like, "Hey, buddy, can what are you doing? Can the two of us have a little chat?" Like, fuck me, dude! I do not want Zach Hyman on the Oilers for six million dollars. You know, you know who I wouldn't mind for six million dollars? 
He's staying in Boston. Relax. <laughs> he is not leaving the Bruins. I'm just saying, Tom Gazzola did say offhand, it's a possibility. So is the ocean so rising. So is Crosby. <laughs> yeah. So is Alexander Ovechkin saying, fuck it, I want to score 55 and come to Edmonton. Like, it's not, Dude, Taylor it, Hall is not coming to Edmonton. On a side note, if Ovi does want to hit the record, he would like he'd be dumb not to sign in Edmonton, right? Yeah, just get fed. Like, yeah, you just you, like we'll score sixty-five goals with McDavid. And dude, Edmonton's cold and it's snowy and like bears aren't really that far similar away. To, similar to similar to Washington, it, like and, and no, dude, similar to Russia. Like, welcome home, Bradley. Yeah. Like, come come back. Like, you can go snow. Some people like to some people like to compare Jason Kenny to Vladimir Putin. Like, we... <laughs> some folks. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, Taylor Hall, uh, Alex Ovechkin, I'm going to put Taylor Hall a little bit more realistic, but um, I still don't think he's coming back, man. Nolan simped for Taylor in the DMs. Oh, speaking of which, I want to show you something. I want to show you my birthday gift. Ooh. Just fucks off, leaves me alone. Takes his headphones out. Eight, fucking eight, eight. It's 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 quite heavy. Move my chair out of the way. Oh, boy. From Richard. I know what it is. Yeah, let's go. Uh, is... I don't know if you can see it, but it's signed. It's, hold on. Fuck it. You're going to go, you're going to go uh, off the pod here, off the tripod. So this is it. It's signed. It says first NHL game on it. That's crazy. That's sick, eh? That's fucking... And it's framed with his fucking picture underneath. That's unbelievable. Taylor, Taylor, come home. We need you to come home. If Taylor Hall ever goes missing, I think that the first place we should check is Nolan's basement. (laughs) I simp. I sent for my big lip daddy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Well, I think we just found our clip. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And by the way, my dad told me that he wanted me to actually give a shout out to the two people that were um, involved in getting this in in this in this acquisition. Um, just give me one second. Let me find their names. Uh, shout out to Brandon Booma 
and Adam Brown, Brandon Boomer is apparently the one that my dad got the jersey from, and Adam Brown was the one that built the frame. So uh, thank you to both of those gentlemen for the uh, for their contributions to my overall happiness. Um, I think I'm actually going to move some stuff around for my uh, recording when I get back, and I think I'm going to have a little bit more of a open sort of style. I am out of breath from going to get <laughs> going to grab that jersey. Um, so I'll have everything a little bit more framed properly and look nice and look fucking sick. But anyways, that was my birthday gift. So very, very fired up about that. Very fired uh, gift from Richard too. That's, that's Danklin. And guess what? For Oilers news, we're going to close off with two things that don't make me fired up. Actually, they, they throw ice cold water on the fire. Um, Oilers prospect, Matej Blumel. His rights with the Oilers expired on June 1st. I believe he was a fifth-round pick in 2019. Uh, good raw goal scorer. Has uh, some decent upside to him. Uh, not a grade-A prospect, but the word is is that he does want to play in the Czech League for three more years because people were kind of like, dogs, how did you not sign this guy to an ELC to play in, your, to play in the AHL? But, um, so people followed up on Twitter dogs. and looked into it. And uh, and and had mentioned that he wants to play in the Czech League for three more years before eventually signing as a free agent with the Oilers. So hopefully it does get better, and then hopefully the Oilers can sign him, and we can all live happily ever after. So not great, um, and not, then, dude. Not great. That's a fifth round pick. Like, are you really that fucking mad? He's got a lot of skill, man. And we're gonna we're we're gonna talk to Sean Patrick Ryan about it in uh, probably next week. And uh, he'll talk about that because Matej Blumel's looking was looking really good. Um, I'm, it's that's not not you don't want to see that. But like I said, if it's a if it's a situation of he just wanted to play in the Czech League for three more years, then I totally get it. But I do think that if it's one of those things where he wanted to play in the AHL, but Ken Holland did not want to give him a roster spot, I do think that's a little fucky if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know, man. My, when a guy wants, like, because what year did he get drafted? 19? 2019, two yeah. years ago. So, like, I don't know. He's 20. He's going to spend three more years in Europe. He's going to be 23. He's going to get married. He's going to have a family. Like, he's never coming back. Well, you never know. You never know. Because, uh, like, this, but this is also Ken Holland's bread and butter that, that he had with, like, Detroit is, like, letting guys go and do their thing and then helping them back. Like, he did the same thing for, with uh, Sam Rukov. Like, Sam Rukov wanted to go play in the KHL because it was like, I want to go back home for a year and just do my thing. And Ken Holland was like, yeah, sure. Like, if that's what you want to do, then we'll bring you back and you'll be a better player at the end of the day. So, I don't mind it. Um, but, like I said, I just want to see him back once he's done with his time in Europe. Um, won't, won't be much of a debate, but um, both Miles and I have very differing opinions on this. <laughs> Tom Gazzola reporting, expect the Oilers to make the Navy uniform the team's primary home look while sprinkling in some games using the orange next season. A return to royal blue could come after, perhaps with a modernized look. Haven't heard anything on the reverse retros. Now, we'll say, I do believe that return to royal blue is going to be something similar to what's been shared on Twitter a lot which is kind of along the lines of what the Condors play in right now, which is a darker navy, but the royal blue style. I'm okay with it, whatever. I'd much rather prefer just fucking royal blue. You had the best, like, the top five jersey in the NHL, and you fucking destroyed it. Like, why? Anyways, um, 
the reverse retros, we don't know what's happening with them. Apparently, Jason Greger was saying that the players didn't like the reverse retros, which I find very hard to believe. And if it's like players that didn't like them, I think McDavid loved them. Well, like, I, I honestly think that McDavid probably loved them. Like, Dude, a lot of the Oilers players, like when they were wearing the whites, like reverse retros, were posting them like on their Instagram and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, look at I the, don't get like, it. Look at the drip, like uh, white and orange, like all this stuff. Like, there was a lot of, I think, like Leon, Cahoon... Connor, like a lot of guys, yes, yes, a a lot of guys were stoked about it. So I don't know, man. I would like to see the reverse retros come back. Um, Royal Blue, obviously, Royal Blue, obviously, is king, um, and needing that back sooner than later. The alternates that will now become the primaries, suspectedly, um, I'm really not that upset about that. I like those jerseys. I think they're cool. I don't mind them. I don't mind the jerseys. They should not be the homes. They should not be the home. They should not be the primary jersey. What are they thinking? Like, I just, it's like they fucking hate their fans. Like, I'm sorry, but they should not be the primaries. You pull, like, you pull a thousand people, 900 of them are going to say, no, they belong as an alternate. That's it. I just, I just don't get it. Like you're stepping away from the from the look that defines the team, and you're not even going to something where it's like similar to like the '06 or to like the like the early 2000s look, where it's kind of like it's like the darker navy with like the Oilers logo and stuff like, like that. Like your Taylor Hall jersey, like that color. No, no, well, that, like that color, but like the older style. Yeah. Like I like 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 with that like with that jersey I just got. It's like more of the with the because uh, that was like the like the Reebok sort of pajama top look sort of thing. Which yeah, thank God they stepped away from that look. But I just don't like the I just don't like the idea of the Oilers stepping away from a jersey that is so clear or stepping into a jersey that is so clearly an alternate. Like it does not look like a home jersey whatsoever. Like if we're looking at like if we're looking at all of the teams in the NHL, because like the Flames made the right decision and decided yes, our home jersey should be the red and or, or sorry should be the orange and white, and that was fucking made up like it was done, and they made that perfect decision and stepped away from the fucking red and black or whatever that god awful atrocity. Well, it's not god awful, but whatever. It, I just, oh, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm making a lot of. I mean, I know I'm making a big deal about an Oilers jersey, but the last thing I want to do is see Connor McDavid lift a Stanley Cup in that terrible. Sorry, not terrible. In that jersey. Sorry. It just gives me. Ugh. Think about what you just said. You, I would hate to see. Sorry, Connor I want to see Connor McDavid yeah. win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yes. If your fuck, if your biggest gripe is the jersey, man, like you gotta relax. No, I I get it, but I it's just. Can you at least see where I'm coming from? No, because I like them, and I don't think that it's that big of a deal. I think, like, it, it doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing. Like, just go out there and play. I would rather see them be a competitive team next year than in what a, in, in a fucking T-shirt than get mad about what jersey they're wearing. Like, that, well, on to, the flip side. To me, I just think that the bigger issue about the Oilers is, like, building a competitive, deep team, and I could give a fuck what they're wearing as long as they get their shit figured out from a roster perspective. I think that there are so many more important issues with that team than jerseys that it's just like, why are we even talking about this? You know what I mean? And that's not a... No that, dis- that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> My camera goes out. That's how I feel. 
Like no no disrespect to the to the people like yourselves that are so passionate about jerseys and like I get it and like I care about fashion and clothes and all that stuff, but like let's not put the cart before the horse. Well, on the contrary, does the alternate jersey not, not remind you of uh you know seven and or one and seven in the playoffs? It reminds me of the Chicago Bears, to be completely honest. It doesn't like I don't know, man. I, like, I went to the I went to the game where those jerseys got debuted, and there was a crazy hype video around it. It was my brother in law's bachelor party. We had a wicked night. Like I don't know, those jerseys have a very nostalgic place in my heart. We'll agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah. So then we disagree, and then Nolan goes rogue on Twitter and is like, "These are fucking <laughs> trash" from the one for one account without any <laughs> any consultation. <laughs> Miles was biting his tongue the entire time. He had he had he had, he had a text he had, he had a text typed out, and was like, "Hey, doing a great job on Twitter." Dot dot dot. I just think it's funny how. <laughs> no, I don't have anything to say. I just think it's funny that. Um. Okay, fine. I will start to consult you the next time I no, I send a rogue tweet from the Twitter. Sen- I'm not trying to censor you. I'm just I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> Speaking you're of trying being... to, you're trying to Donald Trump me. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where know I was going with that. that. I think that that's a reach. Um, speaking <laughs> of reaching, the next time we record an episode, I will be able to reach across the couch and give you a pat on the back when you say something funny. As Nolan is coming to Saskatchewan, we are very excited to do the first live recording of One for One together um, with a guest. That Nolan, I think, kind of gave away, but we're still stoked about it. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be a fun week, uh, week or two, and yeah, really looking forward to it. And at that point, we're gonna try and sorry, go on. And at that point, we will finally announce the Pickapalooza winner. Oh my God! Finally, <laughs> are we gonna are we are we gonna try and get the winner uh, in the recording with us? It is in the works, brother. We're we're figuring it out, Bruters. Um, yeah, we're going to try and record like a decent chunk of stuff. And we'll figure it out how we're going to make it all work. Because obviously, like time is of the essence. So we have to like make it work based off of that. But I'm going to try and maybe see if we can get some more guests lined up too. Where we can maybe do some like interviews that we can use further on down through the offseason. Um, I know that we've been taking a couple weeks of break over the last little while. Um, and it's really just because like an episode every week for the first little while when we're just getting started with this and we're just getting used to how this whole recording and editing and all that works. Um, it just, it was one of those things that was just necessary for us to sort of take our time and sort of take a breather. But when the off season does come with draft and free agency and all that, we're going to ramp it up um, for that bit. And then we're going to probably come back down to once every couple weeks just to sort of, we don't want the content to run dry and we want to like have, we want to have shows for you that are, you know, they, they don't, they, they don't run out of entertainment. So um, now I wanted to just bring up one thing before we close off today. And it was something that I, I just, this is a fucking I don't, hell of a way to end the episode. Yeah, yeah, this is a really, I'm sorry we're ending the show this way, but I, I just, I really want to talk about this just because it's very important that we, that we at least mention it because 
quite frankly, I was a little peeved with a lot of uh, with a, with a lot of media outlets that were not covering this story for the for the for the last few weeks. It wasn't until actually Thirty One Thoughts yesterday, um, no free ads, that um, Elliot Friedman did mention that this was brought up and that he wanted to sort of address it. So. I just wanted to quickly address. I'm not going to get into it too much because it's just something where I think we should let things play out. More information is going to come out over the oncoming weeks, but it's just important to at least mention it and know that we are thinking about it and that this isn't something that's just passing by. I do just want to give a trigger warning. The following story does uh, detail uh, sexual assault, so just be aware. Um, so there was a story right now um, with the um, Chicago Blackhawks, in which the um, uh, trainer for, or sorry, the uh, former uh, the former team video coach for the Chicago Blackhawks, Bradley Aldrich, was accused of sexually assaulting two players uh, in uh, 2010. They have not; no players have have come onto the allegations or have really revealed themselves for good reason um, in which at this point, apparently this has been something that was going on and it's come out recently that both management players, coaches, everybody knew about this whole thing, uh, including players revealing this to the skills coach, Paul Vincent, who went to management about it in which management then said, um, cool, thanks. And then told them to go to the police about it. Nothing ever happened. So um, a, a pretty, horrible horrible thing to see happen and um just i i i think there's going to be a lot coming over the next little while um we're going to see some response we, we actually had a response from mark bergevin who was a member of the chicago blackhawks staff at that point um joel quenville obviously now with the florida panthers as well as kevin Dayoff, who is now the gm of the winnipeg jets um a, a lot of guys that really have to answer to what's going on right now uh, and this story that's developing, there's a lot. There's there are a lot more people that are getting involved, and a lot more people that are reporting. Uh, this was initially sort of brought forward. I shouldn't say it was. It was initially brought forward by Rick West, and this has been something that's been talked about and has been discussed. Like I said, I'm not going to get into the details about it, um, but just a really, really dark, 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 dark story going on in the NHL right now, and something that we should at least mention and know that we're obviously. Uh, you know, this. I hope that there is justice found uh, over the next little while, and I think both the league and the Blackhawks are going to have to answer some pretty tough questions. So that's that's about it. I I didn't want to I didn't want to get into it a whole lot, but I I just wanted to at least bring it up and let everyone know about it. If you want to if you want to read about it, um, you can obviously find a lot of the stuff online uh, on TSN's website. Yeah, like that's something that I hadn't heard about. So it's definitely being held under wraps, and I think that yeah not like you said there's going to be a lot of tough questions that a lot of important folk like you just named three active general managers slash one head coach in the national hockey league like those are very high profile individuals that are going to have to you know um pay the piper in a sense like they're going to have to own up to some shit and like you said i hope justice is found and everything gets figured out with as best that it can a decade or so later yeah the the f- the frustrating part is that Aldrich, after not working with the Blackhawks, um, ended up uh, ended up being charged uh, with sexual assault against a minor who was seventeen years old uh, when he was working at a school. So, 
just a lot of a lot of shitty things happening and a uh you know just just a snowball effect for um for the for the whole situation so i i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm not really well spoken on the matter and I, I realistically probably shouldn't have mentioned too much into it but i wanted to at least bring it up and like i said please take a look into it read some of the articles and um you know, really try and inform yourself of what's going on. With that being said, um, like Miles mentioned, uh, I'm traveling to Regina on Tuesday. Really excited about that. Um, we're also going to do a uh, a piece of content because uh, Miles decided that he's going to make fun of my Arby's love and thinks I, I'm I'm psychotic for thinking that Arby's is delicious. In which Miles is going to try a beef and cheddar for the first time. So. It's more than just you. Like I, ever since we had the great Arby's argument, um, every time I've got a couple friends that every time they get Arby's, they're like Arby's stands, send me like a fuck you or like you're an idiot. Like I get like pretty aggressive messages sent to me like when people are eating Arby's now. So I think that it's only fair that I uh, I try it. And you know what? Just like out of pure pride, even if it is really good, I'm gonna gag and say something offensive. So um, you better not. You better watch yourself. It's going to have to be really fucking good if I'm going to be like I will dead. force feed curly fries down your fucking throat until you're in, until you're until you're choking up Arby sauce. Thanks for tuning in to the 23rd episode <laughs> of One for One. It's been great having you here. Uh looking forward to the Stanley Cup Finals. Can't wait to see it all unfold. Can't wait to see Tampa Bay and Montreal get things going. Can't wait to see if Pat Maroon, the big rig, former Oiler, is going to get three in a row. A lot of cool storylines. A lot of cool storylines here. Uh, But at the end of the day, thanks for listening to the 23rd episode of One for One. I'm Miles, as always, with Nolan. Go, go, Oilers, go. Go, Oilers, go.